We're going to be in chapter 21 today, chapter 21, verse 1. We're going to learn about King Menashe. He's the son of Chizkiyahu, even though it's hard to believe it by his behavior. But we'll see that as we go along. And it opens like this. Ben Shana Menashe b'mocho. And Menashe was 12 years old when he became the king. And he ruled in Jerusalem for 55 years, which, by the way, is a world record for any king, 55 years. And his mother's name was Chefziba. Okay, so looking at that first verse, we see, first of all, he started ruling at the age of 12. Now, if you recall, in the previous chapter, we saw that King Chizkiyahu, the father of Menashe, was very, very sick, about to die. He prays to Hashem intensely uh, that he'll survive his illness. His prayers were answered. And he's given another 15 years to live. That means that Menashe was born during that 15-year extension because he's ruling it at the age of 12. Now, if you remember, we looked at the, at the Talmud in Masechet Brachot, and there we got this um, story, which wasn't in the Book of Kings, getting into the whole th- reason why he got sick in the first place. He had a whole discussion with Isaiah. And it said there in Masechet Brachot that Chizkiah was mortally ill because he was being punished for not getting married and not having children because he foresaw with Ruach HaKodesh that he was going to have a son that was evil. And Isaiah the prophet tells him and he admonishes him for making that cheshbon, making that accounting. You can't speculate what's going to happen. You have to do what the Torah says. Don't get involved in the mystics and your what's going to happen. In the meantime, you have a mitzvah, be fruitful and multiply. You have to get married, puruvu. That's what you should be doing. So Chizkiyahu knew Isaiah was right. And he asks, asks Isaiah if he can marry Isaiah's daughter. And her name was Chefziba, apparently, because here he is, Chefziba. That's the name of the mother of Menashe, which is Chizkiyahu's wife. And it, it means Chefziba wants her to want somebody. He wants her because he's hoping to overturn the decree with the hope that in the merit of Isaiah and the merit of Chizkiyahu, maybe they can somehow have a, a good son, a righteous son. Well, why do I bring this whole story up? Now, what's the point? Because it kind of fits in nicely here because we see that Menashe ruled at 12, meaning up to that point, Chizkiyahu didn't have any kids and it was during that 15-year lease on life that he got, that 15-year extension, that uh, Menashe was born. So again, it kind of jibes in with the pshat, this, this midrash. Anyway, what kind of king was Menashe? We're going to see not a good one at all. It goes in verse 2. Vayasara Hashem. And he was evil in the eyes of the Lord. Like the abominations of the nations. The nations that the Lord had driven out before the children of Israel. So he's going in the way of those nations that were driven out by Joshua back then. That means he's going in the way of the Canaanites. And that's not good because the pagan, the Canaanites were would steep uh, in, in pagan worship, as we're going to see. He's going to adapt those practices. In verse 3, And so what did he do, Menashe? He, re- he rebuilt the high places that Chizkiyahu, his father, had destroyed. So if you remember, the righteous Chizkiyahu was the first king to get rid of those high places, those altars that should not have been there, that were outside of the temple. Well, Menashe, his son, is undoing all that, 
and he's bringing back the high places. And what else did he do? He erected altars to the Baal, and he made an Asherah, and that's what um, uh, Achav, the king of Israel, had made. That is, he's compared here to Ahab, the king of Israel. Why? Because Ahab also had a lot of Baal worship during his reign. Uh, the other kings of Israel, actually, most of them were um, blamed for going in the ways of Yeravah ben Avat. If you look at the verses, it says about them, they went in the ways of Yeruvah ben Avat. They did not turn away from the ways of Yeruvah, the first king of Israel, which means that they kept the status quo of not allowing the Jews to make Aliyah to Jerusalem. But Ahab was different. Ahab brought in the uh, the Baal worship. Uh, Jezebel, his wife, brought it in from Phoenicia. And so since it was prevalent in the days of Ahab, we have Menashe being compared to Ahab. And that's not a compliment. And not a now, what's important, though, is that he's setting a precedent. There was no Baal worship in Judea before this. So Menashe is the first king to bring in the Baal worship into Judea. And um, besides that, he brought in the Asherah. And um, then it says at the end of that verse that he bowed down, to all the hosts of the heaven, and he worshipped them. So we see that um, Ahab, uh, sorry, Menashe is uh, bowing down to the host of the heaven. Now that was also never, we never saw a king of Judea do that. We saw the kings of Israel being accused of it. But here we have again, uh, Menashe setting precedence in, in a bad way. Um, verse four, these sins keep coming. And he built altars in the house of the Lord. Now, building altars in the house of the Lord, we're talking about altars for pagan deities, not altars for Hashem. And, you know, Menashe is being compared to Ahab, not to Ahaz. There's Ahav, that's Ahab, and Ahaz. Ahaz was his grandfather. And Ahaz also was no, was no tzaddik. But he didn't change the service in the temple. We saw he made modifications to the temple. He played around with the kalim in there and the vessels. But nothing like this. Here we have Menashe. He's building altars in the house of the Lord, the pagan deities, right? And it's in the it's in the temple. And the verse continues, which the Lord had said, in Jerusalem, I will establish my name. So the temple was a place for Hashem to establish his name. And here is Menashe establishing the name of other gods. And, you know, this isn't the Greeks forcing, you know, Zeus into the temple. This is the king of Judea, Menashe doing all this, see? Continues in verse five. And he built altars for the entire host of the heavens. And where did he do it? Again, in the two courts of the house of the Lord. So he's bringing in altars into the courtyards of the temple. When they say the chatzrot, they're talking about Ezrat Yisrael, Ezrat Kohanim. You have the courtyard of the priests, the courtyard of the Israelites. He's putting their altars in those places, again, for pagan deities. Keeps coming in verse 6, more sins. And he passed his son through fire. So that's Molech worship. That was also uh, a practice of the Canaanites. It goes on, and he practiced Onen, which is soothsaying. 
וניחש, and ניחוש is like divination, all kinds of black magic and witchcraft and so forth. He did the uh, necromancers, you know, he did seances. He consulted with all these uh, witches and did seances all the time. And all that stuff is, is not allowed. As a matter of fact, it's brought down all these uh, uh, forbidden practices. If you go to Vayikra in uh, 19, Leviticus, it says right there, don't practice divination. They come together. Those two, those two practices. And here the verse is saying he did that. Now, what's the difference between them? Well, that's like, it says like, Lote uh, Onen, which is called Sul saying. It's like saying, um, you know, if you say that if this deer um, passes by, that means I'm going to go to work today. Uh, things that are illogical, call, call kinds, all kinds of stupid, uh, superstitious uh, practices, or to say if the cat crosses my path, that's a bad omen. All that is is not allowed. It's the dark side. It's superstition, and nichush. Uh, that's like saying. And Rashi brings this down, by the way, in uh, Vayikra. He says that if I if you say if the crumb falls out of the mouth of that squirrel, that means I'm going to eat a hamburger. Things like that. All that superstition. That's all uh, forbidden. And Menasha apparently embraced all that. And it says at the end of verse five, at the end of verse six. Uh, and he did evil in the eyes of the Lord to provoke him. So we have that word from the word angry. Lahachis is to make Hashem angry, to provoke Hashem. And that's a very high level of evil. Now you can sin in two ways. Either you do it out of te'avon, out of an appetite, because you just can't overcome your inclinations to eat something that you're not allowed to eat or something like that. And that's not good. But the hachis is you're doing to, to provoke Hashem, the tafka, you know, you're doing it to make Hashem angry. That's already, uh, you know, that's what the evil kings did, like Ahab and Yerovam and uh, Menashe over here. That's why they don't have a place in the world to come. And Radak brings an example of what he did, the hachis, to provoke. It says that he removed the heavenly fire which had descended upon the altar in the days of Solomon. So King Solomon, from his time, the altar, the, uh, the temple had a fire coming down from the heavens, which would consume the sacrifices. Well, he got rid of that. Lahachis, he did it to provoke Hashem. It continues in verse seven. And he placed the graven image of the Asherah that he made. Where did he place it? He placed it in the temple. He puts it in the temple concerning which the Lord said to David and to Solomon in this house and in Jerusalem I have chosen from all the tribes of Israel will I establish my name forever. Hashem is supposed to establish his name forever in the temple and here we got Menashe putting on a Shera image in the Hechal in the tabernacle and that's one of the reasons we fast on Yudzai and Tammuz, right? Yudzai and Tammuz is a fast day. And one of the events mentioned there that we fast is that Menashe put a pestle in the Hechal. He put a graven image in the, in the tabernacle. And that's what's written here. This is the Menashe we're talking about. Um, okay, Hashem continues, exp- giving the Jews Musa here, that Menashe put it in the temple, which was supposed to be revered, and he's desecrating it. 
And he continues in verse 8, Lo asif la'anid regal Yisrael, Hashem had promised that he will not continue to cause Israel's feet to wander, mina adama, from the land. That is, Judea is not going to be banished from the land, like the Israel was, like the ten tribes were. There was a promise not to ban them, or to, to make them wander, to exile them. From the land, from the land they gave to their fathers. But there's a condition. Only if you observe to act in, in accordance with all that I commanded them. To do according to the Torah. That's the condition that you won't be wandering around or banished. And so Hashem is saying, I had promised to protect Judea and Jerusalem and you won't wander from the land as it says here. But you have to do what it says in the Torah, as Moses, my servant, commanded you. But in verse 9, it says, but they didn't do what it says in the Torah. They didn't obey. And Menashe led them astray. So Menashe, he's the king of Israel. He's leading them astray. It shows how powerful the king is. Because when Chizkiyahu was righteous, we saw the kingdom was pretty righteous. And when Menashe now takes over, in one generation, we have them going astray. Because the king is the leader. He's the, uh, compared to a shepherd who leads the flock. The flock goes with the king. So it says, Menashe did He did worse than the nations. Worse than the nations that the Lord had destroyed from before the children of Israel. So we see that again, this, uh, this expression that he is doing like the Canaanites or like the Goyim that the, Jew, that the Lord had thrown out before the children of Israel. We refer to the days of Joshua that Hashem had has dispossessed the Canaanites from the land before the children of Israel and we're going in the way of the Canaanites. And that's what makes it so horrible because he didn't throw them out to put us in to do what they do. We were supposed to establish a Torah society and we're coming in and we're doing what the Canaanites did. Who needs us in there? You know, so this is also brought down in Vayikra chapter 20, this whole concept. It goes like this. It says, It says, don't go in the ways of the nations, who I am casting out before you. Because all that they did, I abhorred it. That is, I abhorred the practices of the Canaanites. And I said to you, you shall inherit their land. I will give it to you to possess it. So Hashem is giving us this land of the Canaanites so we can, again, make it holy as it should be. And if we go in the same ways that the Canaanites do, then there's no point in us possessing the land. And so um, let's stop here and just try to uh, reflect on what we just read. I mean, it's kind of uh, amazing that verse after verse, Menashe sinned so badly. Uh, um, and he did it for 55 years. I mean, that's, as we said, that was more than any other king uh, in Israel or Judea, sometimes Hashem gives these Rishoyim, these evil people, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, longevity. You know, you, you saw Shimon Peres. You know, the guy was around forever. Well, so was Menashe, and you know the damage he did. Well, he had a lot of time to do that damage in fifty-five years, and it was really irreparable, irreparable damage because we know that in the end of the day, it's Menashe that brought about the Chorban the destruction of the first temple. It doesn't happen during his time, but it really is going to be because of him. 
even though the Jews are going to be able to have some kind of grace period here and there, it's really, at this point, the destruction is on its way. And we have to ask, how did we get here? How could the son of an incredibly faithful king, like King Chizkiyahu, wander so far? How could he stray from the Torah path so so much? Now, we know what happens. You know, children walk away from their faith, and even from the most religious families, and King David had evil sons who rebelled against him. And we pray to Hashem that our children, you know, stay on the proper path. In the end, everybody has their free choice, but still, we got to try to figure this out. What motivated Menashe? What was in him that he strayed so badly? And we'll try to uh, examine that in our next year.